Yo, 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 what's going on, great people? It's Troy from TNT Unleashed Podcast. Hey, what it is, Trail? What's going on, brother? Everything is copacetic, my brother. What's happening? That's a big-ass word you just use. Copacetic. What that mean? Copacetic means everything is all good, it's all up and up, and everything is going well. Oh, man. So, listen, I want to introduce the people to TNT Unleashed Podcast. So, this is the podcast where authenticity lives, ego dies, and guess what else we do? We talk about life. We talk about relationships. We talk about everything in between. So at the end of the show, you might laugh, you might cry, but we hope you leave unleashed. What do you think, brother? Unleash yourself. Oh, that's what it is. That's what it's all about right there. Unleash. Hey, tell me, how your day been, man? Man, my day was good. I'm going to tell you, I worked all day, mm-hmm. went and picked Goldie up. Goldie, that's my daughter. Mm-hmm. Uh, from school early, took her to the park. And at the top of the slide, there's a bigger kid. Not let little kids up on the slide, trying to push them down. And for a second, I thought about beating her up. And then I looked in the- They call that child abuse. Then I looked at the car. Her mama was in the car. I wanted to go cuss her out. Mm -hmm. But then I just was like, hey, little girl, please let everybody buy. (laughs) (laughs) You know, that was a growth moment for me because, you know, I'm more likely to go and eat a kid. Yeah. You know what I mean? You can't even beat up little kids. No, I won't beat up kid up, man, but I just want to look at a real code, be like, stop it. Like like send a tele <laughs> like a telekinetic message. You know what I mean? But I just like, excuse me, please let them buy, but it was pissed me off for a second. Hey man. How was your day? You know what? I will say this. It's okay to be a defensive dad. I'm a defensive dad. So fuck them kids. Anyway, um I'm into beating up parents. As we should. You know what I mean? Like, uh, the first little kid that does something bad to Goldie, I'm immediately going to decide whether or not I could beat up their daddy. Uh, hey, you, you better size it up. Yep, but I'm going to win because I'm going to be mad at the nails. <laughs> uh, <laughs> hey, in, t- in terms of my day, I had a good day. You did? My day was actually really productive. Uh, closed some really good deals at work today. I felt real good about it. But you ever done something good at work and then realize what you've done to yourself because now it creates more work for you? Absolutely. All black high performers in corporate America are just workhorses. That's it. So they want you to work hard, but they don't want you to get too far. I, look, I, I was worried for a minute. I was like, somebody else gonna try to take credit for my shit. But yeah. I had to make sure that ain't happening. You're gonna be busy for the next three weeks. I'm gonna be real busy, man. I'll it's, be through, man, to help you decompress. I'm need a lot of Nobel. You're gonna need it. I'm gonna need it. Hold on, let me take a sip real Go quick. Go ahead and sip it up. Matter of fact, check it out. Last night was Hip Hop Awards on BET. Mm-hmm. Celebrating 50 years. 50 years. And you know, um, what'd you think about them? I thought the hip hop awards were done well. Um, but I will tell you, there was a time in the hip hop awards where I was just not interested. You wanna know when that was? When? <sighs> They're gonna hate me for this one. Who cares? But I am not a sexy red fan at all. I thought she was <laughs> I thought she was absolutely terrible. Her stage presence was not good. I'm so tired of them songs. I do not want my daughter listening to it. I'm tired of Sexy Red. Sorry, y'all mad. I don't give a damn. I don't care. But her performance was terrible. I don't want to, I do not care nothing about it. But what I will tell you, Trail, is when my boys from Atlanta came on. Can you dig it? Hey, when my boys from Atlanta came on, Jermaine Dupree and his set, Jeezy. Yeah. You know what I mean? When they bought Chingy out. Yeah. I love Nelly. Yeah. When they bought out uh, A-Town Stump. Yeah. Oh, man. Like, that was, that was the best part of the show for me. I was in here rocking. What you, what was your favorite part? Man, I would agree with you. I think it was done well. So it started from the origins of hip hop. Mm-hmm. That was where uh, DJ Molly Mall yes sir um, was recognized. But this new generation is very sonically sound. Yeah, they're very uh, production driven. So the ode to the producer, 
and kind of introducing the young culture to the producers that made it happen, what we grew up mm-hmm. on, I thought that was a super smart move, right? Yep. But, you know, I'm from the South. I'm from the Southeast. So uh, when that set came on, you know, I was all over it, Holmes. Oh, yeah. oh, oh, what about the part where they talked about the origin of the Pip C? So uh, what was the song called? Outcast? Oh, I choose you. I choose you. Oh, I hollered the whole I time. I know you did. Let me tell you something. I thought about you as soon as they as soon as they said it. Anybody that knows Trail Unleashed knows if Pimp C Bun B comes on anytime, anywhere, I like I uh, and like somebody that has Tourette <laughs> start rapping at the top of my lungs, Holmes. I know you were. I was in the bed trying to go to sleep, but I couldn't. I couldn't. Hey. They they so dope. That that track was so dope. I can imagine like how many how many weddings you think that's been played at? Oh, man, I'm not sure if it's been. I'm not sure how many weddings. All I know is Outkast, Bun B, Pimp C. Those are my, like, in my top five all day long. I just can't help it, man. We could be talking right now. Yeah. We record a podcast. And if I choose you come on, I'm I'm going to start rapping. You're going you gonna to throw the, throw the I'm, mic away? I'm talking about loud. Oh, man. Top of my lungs, cuz. If we're ever in the club or at a party, just put your arm around me. Just a Pimp C <laughs> come on. Just let me just rap all this shit. And that, that's so dope, man. That's, that's so, the wars were. To me, I, I love that they're for the culture. Yeah. But I don't know how I feel about the new wave of music. But we'll, we'll get on that another time. Well, you know, let's not get up. Let's not move away from it right now. I think that they should invite a crowd that grew up on the music in conjunction with the younger generation. I got you. You know what I'm saying? So, like, uh, the crowd wasn't as lit as we were in our living room. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? They didn't know what was going on. That's why you saw um, the brother that was being recognized, a DJ coming after Molly Mall talk and said once again yes. this is the man that started that was Swiss traveling. Beats Swiss Beats yeah, yeah Swiss because Beats told he recognized him. that in the audience too right yeah so dear BET I love y'all y'all part of the culture and all that but when you're doing this type of recognition invite a bunch of 80s babies into the crowd if you want it to be really lit you can put us in the back they it's should invite good. us bro we should TNT Unleash should be at the BET Awards because we appreciate that because I would have been rapping louder than everybody and the right. whole thing that was there. Already, I, I already know you'd have been lit. You know how the cameras go to whoever's enjoying the performances the most. Yep, they would have to put a that gun camera in front of my face, Holmes. Hey, it was it was dope. So speaking of hip hop, yeah, talk to me, man. New Drake, new Drake album just came out. Well, before you even continue, mm-hmm. ladies and gentlemen, Troy Unleashed is one of the biggest Drake fans of all Drake, my boy, time. That's my dog. That's my dog. And we listen to a lot of music at, at the Golden Table. All the time. And if Troy's not bobbing his head, just cut on some Drake. He gonna bob it. So let's talk about the new album. I know it's on your heart. What you man, got? Man, what's on my heart, man, is I'm in a space with Drake where I'm conflicted, bro. Oh, no. I'm conflicted that because- That can't be true. You know, I, know, I know it's not what most people would think. But, man, Drake been my boy. I think the reason he, I'll connect with him so much because I'm an emotional nigga. That's a fact, Jack. I'm a very emotional nigga. I'm a very in tune with my emotions. And he used to sing for me to others. Mm. And now I don't know who he is no more. Mm. And I, I really pissed off because he be teasing us. Well, tell me more about that because, it's, you know, at listening to you talk, mm-hmm. I can't tell if you're mad he wasn't singing to you or if you're mad because you don't know who he is anymore. I don't know who he is. I can't follow the journey like I used to. I love when he was on the come up. Mm. Because he was vulnerable, and he right. was authentic, which is what TNT Unleashed is about. Facts. And now I don't know. I think he's going through identity crisis. 
quite frankly. Maybe he's going through a midlife crisis. Uh, maybe he is. Or maybe he's just too rich to give a damn about your feelings. I, you know what? That might be a problem. I'm starting to, is it him or is it me? It could be a combination. I don't know, man. But I'm, I'm a little... I'm a little torn right now, bro, because I, I when he when he give you those little verses when he spit, yeah, and you he uses the the imagery and the similes and the metaphors, and he makes you kind of take that journey with him, and you feel like you was his little brother or big brother, yeah, coming along with him, yeah. He give you that for like a couple bars, right, and then he starts singing. Well, do you think that maybe he understands that the generation that's li- listening to him mm-hmm. are more sonically sound? Because I could tell you that I, what I enjoy the most about the, al- the album is uh, the nuances of it. Mm-hmm. I can remember there's a track on there where he, there's some some chick he was dealing with yeah. that suggested he mistreated her, mm-hmm. and he rapped about it, had bars, mm-hmm. but then at the end he called it that gum Ben's dealership <laughs> and pushed a button and then went to the next track. Like yeah. that right there is savvy to me, Holmes, but I didn't grow up emotionally connected to Drake as you are, and I can respect that. He's super savvy now, so I have to respect the businessman Drake. Yeah, I just be yearning for take care, and um, you know nothing was the same. Yeah, so far gone. Yeah, and I know I can't expect that out of him forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but man, like okay, let me give you an example. I can play those albums all the way up into views. I can play all the time on yeah. repeat. Yeah, the last few. Mm-hmm. It's a track here, track there, and I'm I'm just not I don't listen to the whole thing through, and I don't know what it is. But Drake, you still my dog. I still have faith in you. I just need to know who you are at this point in time. That's all I want to know. Well, do you, man? I can't move on from that so quickly. I'm sorry. This is music. Yeah, uh, ladies and gentlemen, Trey Unleashed cannot live without music. I cannot go a day without living. Yeah, that's why you be interrupting us at the table all the time I with them care. damn speaker. All I the gotta time. have this loud ass speaker. So would you say that maybe at views? Business is business. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Um, he would try to create a business mm-hmm. when you were connected. Business got created. Now business is just business. Do you need just more of a, you know, who gives a damn about business album, essentially? Yes. Okay. Well, that's that, fair. That's it. And I'm I'm not saying he's wrong. I'm just saying. What you want. What I want is that Drake. So, you know, it is what it is, brother. All right. Well, what's your unleashed thought for the day? Oh, unleashed thought. <laughs> My unleashed thought for the day is why? Tell me why. Why Jada keep putting Will in precarious situations? I'd be more than happy to tell you why. Please tell me why, because I'm upset about it. I understand, but I'd be more than happy to tell you. Well, you, you tell me before I get on my soapbox. Okay, well, Will Smith is an emotionally abused man in a marriage. Mm. Um, there's not many groups for emotionally abused men in marriages. Yeah. They do exist. They usually exist in in relationships where uh, the abuser, being a woman, is very covert. Yeah. Very easy to get along with and not intimidating at all. Mm Mm-hmm. Right? So that means there's a, a lot of emotional neglect, emotional manipulation, and things like that. So... I don't know Will Smith or Jada Pinkett, right? But let's just say I'm accurate. Yeah. If they've been separated since that gum, 1969. <laughs> 87. That's the perfect situation for, you know, for an example, a covert narcissist mm-hmm. who don't have normal feelings or ability to love and things like that. It's more of control. That's what it feels right? like. It's more of control. And um, 
is just so blatant that I really question interviewers <laughs> of uh, Jada Pinkett, right? Because I could be wrong. Mm-hmm. But if I am wrong, I haven't seen any interviewers that will actually extract that. This is not a yes men or yes women men interviewer. They don't question nothing. You know what I mean? I'm like, that don't make sense. Yeah. It doesn't make sense when she says it. This whole man. But I'm waiting on somebody to say, well, that don't make any damn sense. Why do you keep emasculating him? Why do you keep telling all his business? Why do you? Why did you not do any of this where he was at the height of his career? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, why didn't you do this when he was, uh, he was slapping in people. the movie with just him and a dog winning awards? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? This man is talented. Mm-hmm. Why didn't you do this during Muhammad Ali? Bro. Why do you want to wait until now? The fact of the matter is we'll never know until the people in power to actually ask the questions ask the hard questions. Unleashed questions. They got to be unleashed. What's your thoughts? She needs to be exposed, man. She needs to be exposed because I think any she capitalizes on any moment to make him look bad. And I'm going to leave it at that because I know it can be a, whole, a huge argument about it, but every time she speaks about him, I feel a level of empathy for him because I feel like he don't be consulted on none of this. He just wake up one morning and it's on the shade room. He like, nigga, did you have to say that? That's because the only way for that to happen to a self-respecting masculine man is if you're emotionally abused or manipulated in some way, right? Yeah. So if I'm an interviewer, I'm not going to assume that. I'm going to wonder it. And I'm going to ask a whole bunch of hard-ass questions to see what's happening. Like, I'm behavior-driven. Yeah. Human behavior. How do you act? How do you function in the world? How do you treat people, right? So if you're doing some cold-blooded shit, I just feel like you should ask why. Maybe Stephen A. Smith should interview Jada Pickett. I think so. I, I, I feel like Jada must be paying off the interviews. But anyway, anyway we can belabor that point forever. But I, we should have a whole episode on that com- covertness. What's your unleashed thought for today? My least thought is very simple. I don't trust anybody that don't move their neck when music come on. What? What? Hold on. Back up. Back up. Back up. I don't trust people that don't move their neck when music come on, man. I don't care what what comes on. If you don't move your neck a little bit, I can't trust you. What the neck got to do with anything? I just feel like that's the first thing that moves when music comes on. So if music doesn't move you, you're a robot. What if they just ain't feeling the music? You're still a robot. You're gonna move it at some point for the track go off. Man, go ahead, man. How you gonna how you gonna tell people how to move their neck? I didn't say how. I said just move it. Man, you better mm, find a, a no, instrument. No, no, no. Find no, a no, beat. No. You find got to, you got to tell me at what point you looked at somebody and said, "I don't trust that person because they not bobbing their head." Tell tell me when that point came. I just went to Mexico for work mm-hmm. last week. Music came on. I didn't understand the language. And everybody was moving their necks at very least if yeah. you weren't dancing. And I looked over, and there was one lonely-ass man in the corner of the hotel mm-hmm. that wasn't moving their neck. So I stared at them to see if maybe they had headphones on or were working or couldn't hear the music. And then I also <laughs> stared at him long enough to see if he maybe he was deaf. What? No, I just wanted to make sure before I judged it. And he wasn't deaf because he was talking to people, mm-hmm. but he didn't move his neck. Therefore, I, would, I just you didn't can't trust him at all. That don't mean he's a bad person. Just can't trust you. Can't trust you. you if you don't what? move your neck, you, you know what? Come on, I can't trust you. We cannot be friends or associates or nothing. I, I've grown to just respect that opinion of you. 
You should. I think it's weird as fuck. But music transcends all things. Okay. All right. Bob Marley cured a political rivalry, a battle with a concert, Holmes. Trail. What? We can argue about this all night. Well, if you don't move your neck when music come out, I won't trust your ass. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so listen, check this out, man. Um, me and you've been friends for a long time. That's a fact, Jack. So we see each other through pretty much all of our adult, not adult life, pretty much like from 30 to now. Yeah. Right, because you about 60. You can shut your mouth. <laughs> I mean, okay. Not not so much 60, but, you know. I got, my spirit is 200,000 yeah, years old. So whatever. So listen. So one thing we want to chop it up about, because I think this, this is going to be a powerful episode, because the main topic tonight is about midlife crisis so we, we entitled it mr midlife crisis mm, and so i feel like there's some areas in life that really shift and change as you become older right and so mind you audience whoever listening midlife could be anywhere between like 30 to 60 depending on the person right so where we are you know we had a little bit of a midlife situation and so I want to talk about some of the areas that shift and change and how they change in midlife. Because I think it's an important conversation we need to have, man, because we don't be talk we don't talk enough about stuff like this. We do, but everybody we else do. needs to. Yeah, so we're trying to reach some folks. So midlife, mm-hmm. how has that affected you sexually in your marriage? So you just don't come out the gate and ask that kind you of know, question. I don't give a damn. I'm see, still unleashed. See, <sighs> see he's gonna make me start here. I mean, that's when you get to a certain age. Your sex game matters and is valued more because you can't just go on to the next. You know, when you're a young single growing up, you have a bad performance. <laughs> you have a bad D report card. You can go find a, just a new, fresh I, I call it a BDR, a bad dick report. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you have a bad dick report, you just go find another source and start over again. But you can't do and that, you can't do that, like, Merit. Uh, so how's that impacting you? Man, look, so when we think about how midlife affects you sexually, I think one of the first things that comes to mind is it's two. It's two sided. I think there's more experience and care about pleasure. I think there's more quality and less quantity, right? Um, I think because of the experiences you've had, you start to realize that you got to get the biggest bang for your buck, and this is no longer about ego sex. This is about pleasure. To me, that's one of the things that shifts. You you go from this area of how can I hunch. All night and and let somebody say, you got rounds versus how can I satisfy the person that's in front of me? I think you just become more open, more informed. Um, Now, I will tell you, though, Trail, on the other side of this, what I've experienced, I don't know about you, but what I've experienced is that after adulting a whole lot, I'm not one to be desiring to go rounds and rounds and rounds consistently. I feel like I should be able to give you one good round. It should be a TKO. I should be able to satisfy you because I know you enough. Nothing but a TKO. Because I, I, I know enough to satisfy you in a way where I don't have to prove myself no more. So I just don't have it in me to be humping all goddamn night no more. Okay. I respect that. I, have a, solution. I have a solution for that. What's your solution? Learn how to fuck like a woman. Learn how to fuck like a woman. You yeah. got to tell me. You got to unpack that one. I'll tell you, ass. First things first, you got to stroke that mind. So your round don't start mm-hmm. when the hunching starts. Your round starts when you start talking about it, right? Mm-hmm. 
And one thing I've noticed about women who are 80s babies, yeah. right, you better create a romance novel in your house. Oh, Lord. I got to write a book? No, you got to act out a book. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? The mind controls the body. Uh-huh. The mind controls what's going going down. It creates comfort, and you got to stroke that mind. Mm-hmm. So all that energy you spend on your multiple rounds in your young days, you better spend three or four on that mind and then just get that TKO after that. Hey, you know I, what I'm saying? I feel you. So I you might have to create you. a little fantasy in your house. I mean, change your name to a romance novel name. You know what I'm saying? Well, you, you, you sound like you done thought about this before. You got a novel name? Optimus Prime. <laughs> <laughs> Optimus yeah, Prime. You can call me Optimus or Prime. It got to be a stupid ass name. <laughs> uh, not, 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 not a human name. Okay. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Okay. You, you create your create your name. Hey, you you can call me uh, OP. <laughs> OP. Yeah. I'm just saying. Hey, you can call yourself that gun striker, or Whatever rider, or knight. <laughs> call yourself Dark Knight. Dark Knight. No, you can't call yourself Dark Knight, nigga. Yes, I can. No, you can't. I call myself So Glow if I want to. Your ass is goddamn Pablo. You know what I'm saying? But I mean, I'm telling you, when you get into that midlife crisis mode, mm-hmm. you better create an environment where what you're trying to accomplish, which is an orgasm, yeah. you got to put that shit on the edge before you begin. Look. You so get that TKO. So here's another thing I think about. Sexually, I feel like, I don't, you, you tell me what you think about this, but. I feel like as you become older, you become more open to experiential things. Like so, like you become so much more vulnerable, you become more uh, connected, you become more uh, spontaneous. So you start to say, you know, can we explore things that maybe before might have been taboo? That's a fact, Jack. Exploration is critical. Yeah. But sometimes you have to put it outside of reality. So you've been adulting all day long. All day. So uh, you got to um, take it away from reality mm-hmm. at some point, right? So do, does your wife listen to, like, romance novels or anything like that? I think she does, but I don't know which ones. All right, well, you go read them shits. I and need do, to. And do whatever's in it. Give you my it's very diligence. simple. Go read them shits. Listen to them. Mm-hmm. You're going to quickly figure out whatever character she likes. Yeah. And you create your own novel. It's micro-romance novel. You understand what I'm saying? You can't just chill all day, get yourself lit, and then be like, come on, come upstairs with me this time. You need to be mind-stroking all day since noon. Trail, how realistic is that, though? It's like, easy. all day, my nigga? Mind-stroke is easier than fucking. I, I, but all day? Yeah. So you tell, so you said something. Now. I don't, I, we're we going to talk about this because you said I miss, I, I, I F like a woman. Right, and so what I'm trying to understand is, who said that women f right? All I know is my target audience is a woman, so I'm a fuck like one. Okay, all right. It's real simple like that. Or if you want to learn about having sex with a woman, would you read a book authored by a man or a woman? (sighs) But you know what? You got you got a great point. You read it. You better read the book. Argue with you right (laughs) now on that point. You better read a book authored by a woman. I can't argue with you. I you know what I'm saying? Not tonight. I'm not going to argue with you tonight, but maybe, if you want to understand, if you want to mind stroke a woman, figure out what they listen to when they want to get mind stroke. That's all that book is, is mind stroking. Yeah. So <laughs> go and find your ladies' favorite authors of mind stroke books and read them shits or listen to them while you work out. 
So I got one more question on this topic. On I, this, on this I section. got to know. I got one more section. I got to one more know. question. Do you feel like you are better or worse sexually now at midlife? Way better. Let's talk about it. I'm way better because when you stroke that mind, you have less pressure physically. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if we're being real, you know I research things. You know I'm very well, uh, I'm a data collector. I like yeah. to read and things like that. So uh, erectile dysfunction, uh, not being able to bounce back for your, your first orgasm and all that, mm-hmm. is either off of, you know, something, you know, doctor-related. Yeah. Or it's off of anxiety, performance anxiety. Anxiety. So performance anxiety is a number one way for a man to orgasm too early or not be able to gain an erection, mm-hmm. especially after you done skeeted one time, Ooh. right? But if you remove that you pressure, tonight. you, you can go longer tonight. automatically because you've already pleasured your woman's brain. Okay. So before it's you pressure get off. There. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So if you don't do that, you try and just pleasure the body. You've done nothing to the brain. Mm-hmm. And that's the reason why you got a stroke for hours. Because the mind ain't there. So that means your your first hour of stroking just got the mind connected. Yeah. So it's, it's But a, it's, if I start at noon, mm-hmm. that mind's already connected. That body. So she ready. I'm trying she, to tell she you. She warm and you, ready. You won't, you, won't, you won't go out first. <laughs> you, you won't go out first. Hey, so, so if you listen to this episode, I'm going to tell you something right now. You better stroke the mind. If you don't hear nothing else from what we said tonight about midlife and sex, you better learn how to stroke your woman's mind. So let's switch gears a little bit, man. So midlife crisis style, how how has that impacted you socially, like with your friends? <sighs> you know what I mean? Because, you know, we get to this age, everybody's living different lives and things like that. Uh-huh. Everybody got their own issues and problems or obligations, uh, different workspaces different family dynamics, that impacts you socially. Think. So tell me what your experience has been. Socially, man, socially things change because because you have so many more responsibilities, I think there has to be more intent. So as you ha- as as responsibility increases, intent has to increase. Uh, and intentionality has to increase when you think about social interactions. Now, what's changed for me is, my idea of fun is not the same as what it used to be. I used to think you had to be out partying in the club, loud music, um, you know, people around, hookah, um, all kind of things. I don't think that no more. Now, you know what I want to do the most? What's that? What I want to do the most is sit on my patio with people I like, people I love, um, people that share the same values that I share, and I want to have Dope conversations, watch some TV, sip some Dobell, and smoke a cigar. And that is a space for me that I am completely satisfied in. That's a fact, Jack. I dig it. I actually agree with you, man. I think growing up, this is where that whole conversation around friends come around in seasons and things like that comes from, mm-hmm. from my context. Um, when you're young, your relationships with people are very much geared around common ground in terms of things you enjoy doing together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Therefore, the event or the space or what you're doing is what the foundation of the relationship is actually built on. Okay. So if you like to party a lot, I like to party a lot. And you party the way I like to party. We just go And party. you drink the way I like to drink. You smoke weed or do whatever we do, whatever, collectively, right? Mm-hmm. We could be friends. Yep. But it doesn't take intention. 
It doesn't take depth. It doesn't take any vulnerability at all. In fact, I could just call you right before the party starts. Yep. You just meet. Yeah. What I've noticed is at this stage in the game, you know, um, you got some people I actually feel sorry for who are st- who still have those types of relationships because S- surface level shit. That means I can't party nearly as much as I used to. I can't go <laughs> hang and kick it. I don't go shoot ball no more. Uh huh. You know what I mean? I might tear two hamstrings. <laughs> what that means is we only gonna kick it two three times a year. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? So now you're forced to actually connect with depth and impact. That's that's a fact, Jack. And what that what happens then is. What you used to have for your old friends, you no longer have. Mm-hmm. So they, you, that friendship would naturally become distant or severed completely. It sounds like when people say, um, we grew apart like, yeah. as friends. Like, so we grew apart as friends. It's not that I hate you. Mm-hmm. It's not that I don't like you. It's not that we ain't cool. It's just that we don't have enough in common or enough depth in our relationship to actually connect consistently. Exactly. right? So I think and some of that comes down to proximity, too. Right? Yeah. Are you around each other enough, and do you share enough depth with each other to want to be around each other enough to not have to have entertainment around you to to be the catalyst for the relationship? Yeah, that's a fact. I think proximity matters, and you know all that stuff is all a variable. So right now, my closest friends are naturally going to be whoever shows up, really. But I don't have to have shit for them to show up. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Because uh, the depth is already there. Yeah. What's happening a lot with those old school friends is uh, you might get a response like, well, I'm adulting. I'm mm-hmm. doing this. I'm doing that. I'm doing that. Uh, I've X, Y, Z with my kids and all that. I respect that. I still love them yeah. with all my heart and soul. Right? But if you can't show up, you just can't show up because I'm doing all that same shit. Makes sense. So, therefore, what that means to me is whenever my partners give me all the reasons why they can't show up, that lets me know we can't be real friends again until we about 65. Because that's when your time comes back. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. When your kids go to college and shit, that's when your time comes back. So, we're going to do between now and then. So, I always think about you first thing whenever I hear somebody say, you know, I had all these things going on. But you're like an executive mm-hmm. in your space. You got a bunch of shit going on too. But we can still find some times to kick it. Yep. And I think that's true in a lot of spaces. But you talk about proximity though. Mm-hmm. My, I've got two homies. I've got, well, I've got a, more than three close friends. I'll say that. But I'm gonna specifically highlight two homies I got, and the proximity is bad, right? Okay. So uh, I got my homie Mees, my homie E, mm-hmm. and we'll talk. Well, excuse me, we'll not talk for six or eight months, right? Mm-hmm. But when we talk again, they remember every single thing we talked about the last time mm. in meticulous fashion, and they're going to inquire about it. What that means is they think about me, man. Yeah, they care. Enough they they care about, about it. It could be the most minute thing to the largest thing, right? And they always show up without even solicitation, almost intuitively, when needed. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So they can sense it. It's almost like they can, They got a, a, a sixth sense. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? That's important, man. Um, I've got homies in Charlotte that I love for all my life, but you got friends that you're really close to based upon uh, time, mm-hmm. which is not like a, a fair quantifier for a friendship. 
It's about depth and impact. Um, and I don't think there are any less friends than what me and you have. Mm-hmm. It's just different. That's dope. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's totally different. Um, and they kind of go into a family bucket. Mm-hmm. But for me, as I get older, man, going into a family bucket ain't good. <laughs> it ain't good because you are family, right? Yeah. But you don't kick it with all, all the members of your family. Not all the time, no. You know, you got homies that show up, homies that don't, and that's just kind of what it is for me in that space. So so let me ask you. No, I'm not going to ask you. I'm going to tell you something, then I'm going to ask you something. So when it comes to – so when we actually start stepping into the space of doing social things, right, so when I think social things, I think like parties, I think like gatherings, lounges, like things where networking events, whatever it is. What's changed for me is, is number one, don't invite me to nothing that start late at night. Yeah. Don't, only because I'm be tired, I'm be sleepy. <laughs> so don't invite me to nothing that start late at night because I'm, I'm ready to go to sleep by 11. So I need, before the sun come before the sun go down, you need to invite me out before then because then I can enjoy myself, right? Okay. So that's that's changed for me. Like, it used to be where, you know, you go out late at night, you'd be cool with that. But I don't need – I need to be out early so I can go sleep early. What do you think? Man, I think that you got to assess your friendship space. So I got a homie live down the street, mm-hmm. one of my closest partners in the world, and um, he's a lot like you. Mm-hmm. He don't have time for that late shit. Mm-hmm. He's not coming or nothing, right? And you know me. Yep. So, you know, I got a dope garage space that I set up. Mm-hmm. So everybody knows, usually if you want to come to my house, wh- unless you want to kick with me and Goldie, you know, you know, just one-on-one homie kicking at time. Yep. You're going to have to come. Actually, man, I got two homies down the street. They just don't have that late-night space just like you, right? Exactly. But er- all my homies know that come food me after nine. Yep. Because I'm a late night person. Exactly. So he's got a different space. I think the only way to really resolve that is to either talk a lot over the phone, via texting, which both of them do really well. Mm-hmm. Let me be very clear about that, right? But then I've got to figure out how to kick it with y'all early in the day mm-hmm. and be aggressive about it. But then sometimes y'all just going to come to the garage at night, homes. That includes your ass. Like sometimes you're going to take a nap. And suck it up and come <laughs> to the garage from about 9 to 12 and just suck it up. But I'll, I'll make that sacrifice, though, because I know what I'm going to get when I come spend time with my homies. Like, yeah. my real homies, like, I know that it's not going to be a waste of time. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, so yes, I don't prefer to be out late. Yeah. But if I'm with the right people, I will sacrifice being out late. But what? will make you make the sacrifice is what happens in between, right? Uh-huh. You've got to continue to build, continue to create depth mm-hmm. and impact, right? Um, but anyway, that's my that's my take on that. Let's move into this parent space. So, like, when you go through a midlife crisis, uh, that's when you're trying to reinvent yourself. Mm-hmm. That's likely where you've gone through adult struggles. Mm-hmm. That's likely where you've been through some adult trauma. That's likely where you've evolved emotionally, spiritually, and all that. Mm-hmm. How has that impacted your relationship with your parents? Man, this is this a, a whole topic here, boy. So the parental space changes tremendously when you become around this age because now I, f- I finally see myself, I'm, I'm pretty much 40, and I finally see myself as a whole adult. And so what happens when you become a whole adult is you start to see your parents differently. 
because they can't control you no more based off authority, right? Their, their title doesn't mean as much as it used to mean. And so now it becomes about sharing and substance. And to me, that's where the gap starts to happen in midlife sometimes because we think, you know, we've done all this healing, we've, we've done a lot of self-reflection, we've done a lot of growth, all those kind of things. But if your parent hasn't done the same thing, it can cause a lot of conflict. Because what ultimately happens is you're growing, 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 growing. And depending on when your parents grew up, they might not be. And so now, like, you're starting to look at yourself differently, but they don't look at themselves differently. And they, oh, I hate to say this, but a lot of times they can't take any accountability for anything that's happened. Yeah, that's a fact. I would say that one thing that's very, very common amongst the people that I know who are fortunate to have parents at all, is the relationship became very strange mm -hmm. at this age. All of my homies were fathers. Yeah. Their relationship with their father is super, super strained for the first time. Even ones who have great fathers when they were children. Yep. Even with mothers, it becomes distant, but not necessarily strained. Mm -hmm. It becomes distant because of um, what the very thing you said, right? We're the first generation, 80 babies, 80s babies. Yeah. You know. Shout out to 1984. Shout out to it. Um, you know, we have done this spiritual and emotional work. Mm -hmm. And there's been a great degree of a role reversal taking place Ooh. where we can finally teach our parents something. Mm -hmm. And the fact that they don't know it isn't the problem. Mm -hmm. It's the fact that they won't receive it. Oh, man. So unpack that. Man, listen. If you're an 80s baby, nine times out of ten, your parents born in the 50s or 60s. Uh, and that age group right there don't receive shit from us <laughs> Not at a all. goddamn thing. So if you think about a relationship, mm -hmm. that's a natural devaluation mm -hmm. if you won't receive things from me that are important to me yeah. because of an authoritative reason yeah. or a, a hierarchical reason mm -hmm. or because uh of titles titles that's the big thing you see i'm saying? your daddy yeah but see those same daddies taught us not to be ran by titles exactly i know that that's true for me right mm -hmm. i was raised not to give a damn about a title at all i was also raised to understand that there comes a point in life where you remove titles from people mm -hmm. and you look at them as people but when that same person or two people that taught you that uh, won't receive you yeah they don't realize it's a natural contradiction <laughs> so when you contradict some of your most important teachings to a child mm -hmm. all parents listen closely that will piss that child off that's the most resentful space there is i don't resent my parents right at all there. but the fact that i can't be received and you taught me this shit yeah Makes it's a, really a mind fuck at that point, so we might as well not really talk. Yeah, you see what I'm saying? You just not being genuine and authentic at all. So you can have like a very hyper caring parent, mm -hmm. a protective parent, yeah, a, that parent that won't tell you the truth about them, like if they're in pain or hurting or suffering, and you know for a fact you can ask them, mm -hmm. and they'll be like, "I'm okay, baby, no matter what." Yeah, they can be walking around limping with five fingers on two hands mm -hmm. and. Eight toes on two feet until they're okay, baby. So it's important that they realize that was very critical for survival of me as a child. 
But or, when I become an adult, it's just a lie. It's so. You know what I also think happens, happens, bro, is this is the age where we start to learn about a lot of family secrets. Secrets kill families, homie. They do, and so like we start to unpack. So, we, so we, we become so like now we're free. So we're like, why in the hell were you like this? Yeah. And, and why was so and so like this? Yeah. And why was so and so like this? Right. And what happened to them? And where they disappear to? Mm-hmm. And why? And no one tells you the stories, and so you start to ask questions. And you start to realize real fast that people be hiding shit. Yeah, man. I think that that's one thing that that's a generational curse that I want to kill, and that's family secrets. I can tell you, like, um, when before Go to was born, right? Yeah. In the pregnancy phase, um, you're asked like a, a lot of health questions and things like that mm-hmm. that are in your family. I'm a military kid. So I don't know all of my family members, so I rely on information. Mm-hmm. And I can remember that doctor sitting there and asking, you know, my wife questions about her medical history mm-hmm. and her family, and every single question that was asked of me was, I don't even know. Don't even know. Nobody told you. That created a hunger for me to, like, know these things. Oh. And then when you started asking questions, you know who to ask and who not to ask, mm-hmm. and most commonly... The person that you should never ask in our community is whoever it happened to. Exactly. You got to ask around them. You got to ask grandmamas and aunties mm-hmm. or ask your mama about your daddy, your daddy about your mama. You can't never get <laughs> it from tell the actual you. source, right? Yeah. And then when you learn it, they don't realize that that's empowering to just to know. know the information. To just know. So I'm like, man, you better have me walk around weak as hell. Yeah. Without identity, without understanding um, why things are the way they are, and it really creates a very controlled environment. So then when you go on your healing journey, you have to recreate your own identity in your own vision, yeah. essentially, yeah, uh, with minimal information, right? Uh, so I think that there's major role reversals going down. My homies, they all talk to me about, like, the ones who have fathers, Yeah, they all beefing, homes. They've been beefing since... 2019, yes. 2020. Beef. I'm talking about the rain beef. around the same time the beef started home. Yep. And then if you if they grew up in dual parent homes, they're like, I love my mama. That's still it's still a mama son type thing, right? But I still can't talk to her as much because it's just not real anymore, right? And then if you have single parent homes, it's just straight beef. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? There is no balance there. So I think the best thing that we can do is not keep any secrets. Mm. Um, but the only way to do that is heal yourself and accept yourself, love yourself enough to not have to hide it. Bro, I don't, I don't want my kid to ever feel like I hid stuff from her. Right? I want her to know who she is based off of what I've exposed her to, what I've told her, and, and off of my authenticity. Helping her understand who I am, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Yeah. So that when when she reaches midlife, she don't feel like she was lied to. You got data. Yeah, she has something to go off of, and she don't feel like she's just trying to figure the world out, you know, through a different lens. So, bro, I'm. (sighs) That's real because that bad stuff are still tools in the tool box. That's it. So anybody listening, the good, the bad, and the ugly are still tools. In the toolbox that you need. Yes. So I feel like, uh, you know, somebody like me, I was walking around trying to change transmissions with screwdrivers. That ain't going to work. I needed that gum lift. I needed that gum 
hooks. I needed chains. I needed like powerful equipment. Yep. And all that stuff was hidden. Nobody but that's all I got on that, man. What you got for the rest? Man, look, I think I I think that was I think that unleashed some people just now. I feel unleashed. You feel unleashed? I feel unleashed because I I know that there's some people listening to this right now who need to have some conversation with their parents. And if their parents don't want to give them what they need, then guess what? You got to go get it somewhere else. Like you just got to figure yourself out. All, at the end of the day, you got to go back to yourself. So to me, this was a powerful conversation because I feel like the people listening to this episode right now are going to relate on so many levels. What do you think? I agree, man. Uh, you know, Troy Unleash, Troy Unleash, we're here to represent range. Yes. So you can hear me, us having fun, ranting about something in one minute, and really trying to talk through important things the next. But this podcast was created uh, to help show how to have appropriate conversations in a space of range. That's it. Scale, scope, and range, man. That's I'm so happy that we have decided that we're not going to be boxed in. Box and kiss my ass. Kiss my ass. And that's a fact, Jack. Go ahead, close this out. That's a fact, Jack. Yo, first things first, shout out to the super producer, Tradia. What's going on, Tradia? Super producer. Hey, super producer back here. She told us to wrap this shit up right now. So, Trail, where should the people follow us at? Should they follow us on Instagram? Yes. Should they follow us on TikTok? That's a fact, Jack. Should they follow us on Facebook? That's a fact, Jack. Should they follow us on YouTube? Facts, Jack. They should follow us everywhere at TNT Unleashed Podcast. Go find us. Hey, it's about to go down. This is just the beginning. So, hey, Trail, real quick question. Talk to me. You feel unleashed? I'm off the leash. You off the leash, bro? Off the leash. I'm roaming the yard. What's happening? Ah, so this has been TNT Unleashed. Hey, remember... This is where authenticity lives, ego dies, and we talk about everything, life, love, relationships, and everything in between. You might laugh, you might cry, but we hope you leave Unleash. Peace. Peace.